I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2 and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Hey, everybody. Hey. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Romance. Yay. I'm Eli, here I'm with Diana. my- I'm yep. oh, Yeah, sorry. sure, yeah. No, go No, that, that is how we usually do it. I don't know why I was trying to do the Ben thing. <laughs> oh, right. I was like, I'm Eli, I'm here with my lovely wife, Noel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't think that's- We gotta do their Ridiculous Romance. Yeah, ridiculous we do. Bromance. The Bromance, Ben and Noel, one day. Full episode. Well, I am Eli. I'm Diana. Those are our two names separately. Mm-hmm. Now you know them. Very grateful to have you back listening to another episode. Yeah. How's everybody doing? Yeah. Let me get into it. Well, we never talk. We never talk you anymore. Know? I guess it's not really a mail call, but we got a review from a J. Oh, yeah. Who said that um, they love the podcast, but we can't just say that the second Book of Dust book is out because they went and searched for it on Audible 
couldn't find it. And I just wanted to say, Jay Herrer, <laughs> how are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see it written out. I can't help here. I, it's like it's J-H-E-U-R-U-R-H-U-R. It's like a bunch oh, okay. of letters. Anyway, yeah, rebel, rebel, rebel. But I just want to say thank you for your lovely review. But I did find it on Audible. It's called The Secret Commonwealth, if that helps. Yes. Um, it's definitely available. So try again because it's out there. I promise. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it yet i don't know if it's good but i bet it right. is because it's philip pullman right just a, just one more little just you know it won't be the last time just gonna toss <laughs> out there that everybody as soon as this episode is over uh, uh lock your phone in a box and go find his dark materials the book trilogy and read it or get or keep your phone and get the audio version either way right right so kindle good. or what, whatever so good amazing all right well yeah, we got a good one today. Yes. Oh, just a name you know and love. Jackie Robinson broke the unwritten rule of segregation in Major League Baseball when he joined the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1947. And when the manager, Branch Rickey, signed Jackie, he asked him, Do you have a woman? Fortunately, Jackie had the absolute best woman on his side, a beautiful nursing student named Rachel Isom. Well, Branch continued... You'll need her. And he was right. Together, they withstood America's ugliest behavior. They dominated baseball. They contributed significantly to civil rights. And they kept Jackie's legacy alive long after his death. Yeah, I really enjoyed getting into this, even though I'm not a baseball fan myself. I wow. can't say that I'm a big old sports person. <laughs> but uh, um, but there's so many great stories in sports yeah. history you know what I mean that it's like it doesn't even matter just ignore the game part because the <laughs> people involved are the real story I am not a huge sports person myself but I am I am a former baseball player uh, I had my time playing second base for a while yeah that was back um, when I was what I want to say eight yeah not not teen just eight <laughs> eight nine ten and I think and then again when I was yeah Played there like when I was eight through eleven uh, in my hometown, and then we moved, and I stopped playing, and I started again when I was about thirteen. And uh, you know, it, it those few years they really change you. Oh <laughs> I yeah, was not a lot. the player that I used to be, <laughs> and um, and I was in a much more competitive space than I was when I was very small. True. <laughs> so I didn't I didn't stick with. I I played for another two years. I hit I hit a triple. Knocked it out. You know, it was like one of the first times I'd hit the ball all year, mm-hmm. you know, shocked everyone. And then I was like, cool, I'm done. <laughs> this will be my last game. Well, good call. Well, Go it out was, on a it, high note. It was the last game of the season. And I was like, I, I <laughs> don't. Like, I'm good. I, I didn't. Th- this isn't the beginning of my comeback. <laughs> this was <laughs> this a great end. fluke to end on. <laughs> this is the graceful end to a checkered career. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, I think I never tried to play baseball after I was um, on the T-ball league, you know, the T-ball oh, yeah, sure, thing, sure. and you have the, the wiffle ball on a little stick, uh-huh. and you're like three or whatever, and I totally hit it the wrong way at the at the guy behind me <laughs> <laughs> and hit him in the face. And so I just never did that again. Wow. <laughs> it's like sports are just not my thing. Um, and that's okay. You know, I'm gifted in other ways. <laughs> <laughs> 
But one guy who was gifted in the sports way, Every certainly sports way. Jackie Robinson. So I say we dive into this story. Let's play ball. Nice. <laughs> hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show ridiculous romance. A production of iHeartRadio. Rachel Isom was born in 1922 in Los Angeles. She says in an interview that racial discrimination was kind of subtle there in comparison to the rest of the country. Like if she went to the movies, the usher would just direct them to the balcony. Oh, I see. You know, which, of course, was a segregated section, but it wasn't like signs blaring it, I guess, and people being rude about it. It was that that nice racism, you know, that people do, which is almost worse. They're like, ah, right this way, Mm ma'am, into a very separate section that, you know, you you actually have to go this way. I'm not really offering it to you. I'm telling you. Exactly. But I'm being very polite about it. Yeah. Her quote was, we were being segregated almost without knowing it. Of course, there was segregation in terms of housing. Rachel's parents had gotten around that cleverly by getting a light-skinned friend of theirs to buy the house they wanted and then resell it to them afterward. Okay, clever. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) obnoxiously unnecessary. Yeah, (laughs) what a whole series of events to go through to buy the house you want to buy. Like, that's insane. Her father had served in World War I, and on the last, his last day of active service, he was gassed. He ended up permanently disabled. Oh, Um, that's awful. So Rachel's mom had to work to support the family. She started a catering business, like a high-end Beverly, you know, rich Beverly Hills families type business. Very smart. smart. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're in L.A. Who are you going to, I mean, who are you going to sell to? Beverly Hills. There's (laughs) nothing better than L.A. than just like... Selling fancy food to rich people because there is always a demand (laughs) and they will spend any amount of money on it. It's true. And like the smaller the food is, the better. So you can really stretch your budget. (laughs) You know, you're like, (laughs) this would never work at home. But for (laughs) y'all, I make these little hors d'oeuvres and you love it. (laughs) I feel like it's one of those where um, the more something costs, the more legitimate it is. Yeah, You know, like this this is a $30 steak. But if I sell it for $30, they're not going to buy it. Yeah. But if I sell it for $120, it'll be the most popular steak in town. Yeah, true. Yeah. I hope she did some inflation (laughs) prices in that way. (laughs) When she was in high school, Rachel also worked. She helped her mom at this catering business. She also worked the concession stand at the public library, and she sewed baby clothes as part of FDR's New Deal programs. Cool. Um, In 1940, she graduated from high school, and she was accepted to the prestigious nursing program at UCLA. And Huffington Post notes that, at the time, only 5% of all women and less than 2% of black women earned a college degree. So already breaking standards. Yeah. Yeah. Rachel was like, well, I don't know whatever y'all are doing, but I'm going to be doing whatever the fuck I want to (laughs) do. And she did it very well. So at UCLA... A football player introduced her to one of his teammates. Rachel's a freshman at this time, remember? And this guy's a senior, and he is the big man on campus. He'd earned national fame for lettering in all four major sports on campus. Football, baseball, basketball, and track. All right. I mean. That's a lot. So many sports. Even at the stuff I was good at, I wouldn't have lettered in all four. You know? I didn't even have time to... 
to do all four. I did drama and chorus, and at, I used to do band, not not by high school. I wasn't doing that anymore because I didn't have time. I could only do the two, mm. you know? Anyway, this guy was making it work. And he was also extremely handsome with a wonderful smile, Rachel remembers, uh, in this Scholastic Books interview that she did that we'll be citing often. She said, and he was clearly comfortable and proud of being a black man. In the 1940s, I was very impressed by that, she says. Not all of us could carry our racial identity with such pride. He even wore white shirts to emphasize his dark skin. He was self-confident but not arrogant, and he actually was kind of shy to meet her, too, which she found charming. Right, because he's like the job. The king, yeah. Like the king. And yeah. she's just got there, you know what I mean? Right. So he's like, oh, hey, nice to oh, he's yeah. all shy and cute, and she's like... Oh He's God, got like adorable. one one finger in his dimple, <laughs> twisting it like, oh, hey, lady, you're He's real got pretty. A million letters on his jacket. <laughs> right. <laughs> his <laughs> alphabet jacket. <laughs> right. Like, oh, shucks. <laughs> what letters do you get? Is it just the letters of the college of the school? I think so. Or is I, it like I an a... F, a T, a B and a B? <laughs> like... <laughs> no, I think it's just the letter. I mean, I, I, mine was the first letter of the school. Of name. the school. OK. In oh. high school. I, I assume it's the same for college. Okay. So if you have a letterman's jacket, right? Yeah. That's what I'm assuming is the letter is right. you earned the letter. Right. Do you have, does he have four of them on his jacket or does he just have the one letter and everyone knows it means for four things? I got a letter for drama. <laughs> I Did don't you know. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know you could letter in drama. That's I funny. Don't, I, I don't know why they gave it to me. I didn't have the jacket. <laughs> They just, I just gave had the letter. A, it was a little felt letter, you know. It's like an iron on. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, I think the jacket was Justin's, you know, who did the class rings. Oh, like and yearbooks, oh, that, like yeah, that the, one the big company that makes all the money off of high yeah, school students. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, <laughs> so I do not have the answer to your question. Feel free to message us if you yeah. know how the hell <laughs> if your sports letter... <laughs> letters work in college. Send me your multiple letter jacket or one letter jacket that means something more. I don't know. <laughs> I want to know. Yeah. I'm curious. Send us the info. Don't send us the jacket. Right. Please right. don't send me the jacket. Yeah, you said send us your jacket. You're right. You do we not have to it. send me your jacket. It probably won't fit me anyway. I have a really cool letter jacket, actually, from the Timberwolves uh, of Mystic oh, Falls right. High School you because sure that do. was our rap gift on Vampire Diaries one year. That's true. Yeah. And it nice. doesn't fit me, does it? No. Uh, it, I think it fits me, but... Um, Irrelevant. I haven't... <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oh, we haven't even mentioned who this king of the school was yet. <laughs> what was this guy's name? It was Jackie and motherfucking Robinson. That's who. Wow. Jackie Robinson was born in 1919 in Cairo, Georgia, to a family of sharecroppers. He was the youngest of five kids. And when he was less than a year old, his father, Jerry, abandoned the whole family. Oh. So his mother, Mally, packed them all up and moved to Pasadena all by herself, five wow. kids. Go, Mally. Moved across the country. I think that's crazy yeah. and awesome. So he's coming from tenacity and oh, yeah. drive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And she managed to purchase a home from her salary as a domestic worker. And Rachel credits her with Jackie's sense of self. She said, she created an environment that was full of positive values as well as love. She was the major influence in Jack's life. Awesome. But they were poor, living in a predominantly wealthy area. So a lot of the um, like neighborhood recreational activities, 
his family was pretty much excluded from because they couldn't afford him. Right. You know, so apparently Jackie actually briefly joined a gang because of this because he's mm. bored. He's got nothing to do. This yeah. is a good lesson about why gangs are a thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nothing to do. And he was like, I guess this is it. But his friend Carl persuaded him to abandon the gang. Thank you, Carl. Rachel also says that Jackie experienced more overt racial discrimination in Pasadena than she was experiencing in L.A. Oh, okay. Um, she doesn't, like, go into details or anything like that, but it was clearly something that was just more of an everyday occurrence for him than it was for her. It was a little more in his face. Yeah. Jackie was great at sports his whole life. Um, his older brothers, Mac and Frank, both really encouraged him. And actually, his brother, Mac, was a silver medalist in the 1936 Olympics in track and field. Damn. Okay, Mally, raising some kids, All you know? Right. I mean, these kids are accomplished. Yeah. Um, so it must have, this athletic prowess must have run in the family. Get it? Run in the family? Cause oh, he runs. Because they're running. And, and they're uh, you've got to run in baseball, too. Running and runs. Basketball. In the family, and in football. basketball, and Actually, every sport. all of them. You have yeah. to run sports in every sport. <laughs> involve running. That's why I don't play I sports. <laughs> <laughs> if there was a sit-still sport, I guess that's video games, and I do play those. <laughs> that's true. There you go. <laughs> wait, Is there wait. not a sitting sport? Sure, I mean, there are surely. sports you don't have to run in, like rowing or like, shot put yeah, or, or like, um, darts. Weightlifting. Swimming. Wrestling. All right. We could list all the non-running sports. <laughs> <laughs> they probably run to, like keep in shape though. Yeah. No, yeah, you've gotta you gotta run. Oh, Ugh. God. <laughs> anyway, it ran in the family. Hilarious joke by me. Back on track. <laughs> uh so in high school, he lettered at the varsity level in football, baseball, track, and basketball. Of course. Um, he was shortstop and catcher in baseball. He was the quarterback in football. He was the guard in basketball. He won awards for the broad jump in track and field. So that was kind of his specialty was jumping. You know, I played shortstop in baseball briefly. I was thinking so, about you um, doing this. Yeah, maybe Jackie and I have more in common than I thought. You have exactly that one thing in common. <laughs> we'll see. I'm just we'll see. There may be more. <laughs> there could be more. <laughs> Um, he was also on the tennis team, and he won a singles championship in 1936. Jeez. So if it had a ball, like, Jackie could do whatever <laughs> yeah. he needed to do with it. <laughs> like, he was like, I am ready to handle this whole situation. Wow. Um, all this accomplishment was at his high school, Muir Tech High School. And then he went on to dominate all the same sports at the Pasadena Junior College. No kidding. What? <laughs> like, kept all that talent. Wow. <laughs> Somehow, so way. He did have a bit of a problem, though, at Pasadena Junior College. He got arrested in 1938 for protesting against a black friend's detention by police. He got a two-year suspended sentence, but that incident and several other similar clashes with the cops got him the reputation of being combative in the face of racial antagonism. Yeah, and it sounds to me like he came from the don't start none, won't be none school of fighting. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which, of course, the rest of the school of fighting says... But if you start some, it will be some. Right. <laughs> and I will probably win. <laughs> yes. And they started and he he, he showed up. He, yeah. He was the head of a student-run police organization that monitored campus activities. So maybe that's how he got involved in these altercations. But then tragically, Frank, Jackie's brother, and the brother he felt closest to, died in a motorcycle accident. And that prompted Jackie to enroll at UCLA in 1939 so he could be closer to Frank's family. He was the first UCLA student to letter 
in all four major sports. Mm-hmm. This guy, I mean, the first must, did a lot of the things. The letterbox he must have had. You <laughs> so know, many jackets. Just like, let me just file through all these letters I've got. <laughs> UCLA's football team was the most integrated in the whole country. But Rachel does note in her scholastic interview that he still had to deal with discrimination when they played Southern teams, especially. They'd gang up on him and also the other black players during their games. You'd get a lot of unnecessary roughhousing. They just very clearly targeted the black players, especially in the South. Yeah. And she was like, and that's a game where you can hide a lot of violence behind, you know, the game. Yeah. But it was clearly more than that. Yep. And in 1940, he was introduced by his teammate to a charming nursing student named Rachel Isom. In the Ken Burns baseball documentary, he's described as being impressed with her drive and determination that was under this shy exterior, and he felt at ease talking to her. They started dating, and their first date was to a Bruin football dinner at the Biltmore. Ooh. A little yeah. fancy, like he took her to a little, he wanted to sweep her off her feet. Oh, yeah. He's like, get all dressed up, babe. We're going out tonight. Mm-hmm. I'll show you off. But usually, you know, they would just hang out around campus. Mm-hmm. In 1941, they got engaged. But right before he graduated, Jackie actually left UCLA. His mother and Rachel were both against it, but he just dropped out. Wait, so he left college? Yeah. That's another thing another Jackie thing Robinson and I have in common. That's two. All right. Not bad. Keep a list. <laughs> <laughs> Sources disagree about why he dropped out of college. Family sources say it was money problems. Jackie said he was becoming disillusioned about the usefulness of a college degree to a black man in America Mm. at that time. And some biographers have said that he just wasn't like super into academics. He was mostly there for the sports. And he was behind on his schoolwork when he left anyway. But, you know, I mean, if you're becoming disillusioned with your degree, you're going to probably stop doing the work. So that might be kind of one feeding the other. So he took a job as an assistant athletic director with the National Youth Administration. And then he went to Hawaii to play with the semi-professional integrated football team, the Honolulu Bears. Okay. And then in December 1941, he came back to California to play football with the Los Angeles Bulldogs. So very possible that today we could be talking about Jackie Robinson, the football player. Yeah, for real. I mean, you know, if you asked me to go play football in Honolulu, oh yeah, I'm there. I would drop my entire career. <laughs> like, I'd be the a real Ted Lasso out there. I have no idea how football works, but uh, but yeah, I'll do it. So we're thinking Jackie Robinson's going to be the star football player at this point, right? Yeah, except that we may remember something else big that happened in December 1941. Oh. Which was the bombing of Pearl Harbor, which pulled America into World War II. Boy, we love a sequel. I, I bet the Allies were like, where you been? I mean, <laughs> we had this reboot waiting for you for years. Americans love a reboot. <laughs> now, where, where are you? Yeah. Well, anyway, so all that put an end to Jackie's football career. Um, he received his draft notice, and he went to fight for his country. Mm. But... The country was still being real damn racist at the time. And when Jackie enrolled in the officer's candidate school, they delayed his application, even though they had said they were race neutral and he was completely qualified for everything that he was trying to do. Heavyweight boxing champion Joe Lewis had to write to Washington to protest discrimination in the army before Jackie's and several other black men's applications were accepted. I I mean, this is like... 
if you had to get Hollywood Hulk Hogan to call the president <laughs> before you were allowed to get a job in wrestling, right? I mean, for real. It's like, I guess I just I only got to the Speaker of the House, so let me get a few more days. Ugh, just Fuck. insane. And Jackie did totally fine in officer school. He was commissioned as a second lieutenant in 1943. But he had fractured an ankle back in junior college playing football, and that ended up delaying his deployment. Rachel, meanwhile, continued to attend the UCLA nursing program, and she also served her country by working as a riveter at the Lockheed Aircraft Factory in L.A. Cool. Literally, Rachel the Riveter. Where is that poster? Hello. I would love to see that hanging in a dorm room. Right. Anyway, somebody make me a Rachel the Riveter (laughs) print, please. I will buy it. So So this was her wartime experience. She would work the night shift at the factory drive to campus at dawn, change clothes in her car, and then go to class. Jackie sent her a box of chocolates every Friday that he was way in the army. That is so cute to me. Um, And he also seems to have gotten a little bit jealous, maybe, because he mistakenly thought that her plan was to, like, enlist in the army as a nurse after she graduated. And he was like, oh, well, now you're going to be around all these men. Oh. And she's like... Rachel says she sent his engagement ring back to him after seeing uh. that. Quote, so he wouldn't think he could tell me what to do. Nice. <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> I mean, obviously she took it back. Yeah. <laughs> they clearly got through that spat. Right. <laughs> um, but I think that's funny. <laughs> she I like was like, that. oh, well, let me answer your question with another question. <laughs> In 1944, while he was waiting to see if the tests on his ankle were going to allow him to join his tank battalion in the battlefield, Jackie boarded an army bus with the wife of a fellow officer. Even though the army had commissioned its own desegregated bus line, the driver told Jackie he had to sit in the back. Yeah! Jackie refused, and the driver backed down. But when they reached the end of the line, he summoned military police who then arrested Jackie. I mean, imagine get the military police involved because somebody sat on the bus on the wrong. Bus. Like, are you serious? And when Jackie's commander refused to court martial him, they transferred Jackie to another unit under a commander that would. Ugh. He was charged with a bunch of bullshit, including drunkenness, even though Jackie didn't drink. Yeah, and he certainly was not drunk when he was on that bus. Right. So it was just a totally made up, trumped yep. up charge. Rachel said in the Scholastic interview. While we were at war overseas, Jack was at war at home on the army base. I mean, I think that says so much about black people trying to serve yeah. in the military at that time. Yeah. This is just like the whole time. They're like, well, first of all, I'm fighting for a country that won't fight for me. Yep. And I'm trying to fight for the country and you won't even let me right. because you're so busy being racist that you won't even let me help. I, I mean, on top of that, it was a draft. I mean, yeah, so it was exactly. Like, I, I didn't even ask to be here, y'all but I'm trying to do my best. <laughs> and then y'all are telling me I shouldn't be here. Right. Come on. Just so frustrating. He was acquitted by an all-white panel, but it did prevent him from being deployed. And instead, he served as a coach for Army Athletics until he got his honorable discharge in 1944. So after his honorable discharge, he went back to football. Uh, with the L.A. Bulldogs for a stint. And then he started coaching college basketball. And then he got an offer to join the Kansas City Monarchs, which was a Negro League team that Satchel Paige made famous, and play professional baseball. Nice. Um, 
And so that's cool. <laughs> He's so like, I, sure. I'm literally just spinning these plates. I got I'm playing football with the Bulldogs. <laughs> yeah. I'm coaching basketball. I'm getting offers for baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. he's like, hey, track, where are you? I know, right? Oh, uh, oh, <laughs> what am I, chopped liver? I guess he had enough hurdles in everyday life. <laughs> oh, that's a good track joke there. <laughs> Thank you. You've got so many good track jokes. <laughs> full of Always track just jokes. cracking. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let me, let me relay that to the kitchen real quick, <laughs> you know. You, you got a ton. <laughs> Do you want salt? Just a dash, please. Oh, Lord. You, you, can't, you can't stop with those track jokes. <laughs> I just can't stop. I got a number of them. <laughs> sure. I don't know. <laughs> you, you used them all. <laughs> you, wanted, you, you said you wanted a dash of salt? Yes, but on the side. Wait, what? Baton. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Hate it. Um, <laughs> oh, and goodbye to half our listeners. I know. It was nice <laughs> knowing you. <laughs> Jackie really liked the camaraderie of the league. He was really impressed by the caliber and the style of play. But he really felt that the organization was pretty disorganized. He hated that they embraced gambling. And, of course... His least favorite thing about playing with the Negro Leagues were how the players were treated um, because of segregation. When they traveled, they were unable to stop at hotels. They were unable to eat at restaurants. They couldn't use bathrooms, you know, for hundreds of miles at a time. So he was just deeply humiliated by that as a human being. And uh, it made him super angry, as it would. Yeah. (laughs) So he played 47 games with the Monarchs as a shortstop, but he set his sights higher. And in April 1945, the Boston Red Sox held tryouts at Fenway Park for black players to join the major leagues. And this is where Jackie really wanted to be. So he's like, let me go try out for the Boston Red Sox. Um, No black man had played for the major leagues since 1884 when Moses Fleetwood Walker played for the Toledo Blue Stockings. So it's been a lot of time. (laughs) I really like that there was a team called the Blue Stockings. Can you also, imagine? What is it about socks and like the color of a sock? That was like everyone's baseball team. They're just team. very unimaginative. When they're coming up with the name for the player, they just look around the room and they're like, <laughs> they're all, none of them will look at each other's eyes. They're just <laughs> glancing around like blue socks. Yeah. yeah. More like stockings. Okay. Sounds good to me. <laughs> blue stockings. And Great. your socks are red, so you'll be the red socks. And you're, uh, you're in the Rockies, so you're going to be the Rockies. Sure. Sounds good. But imagine now if you went to like one of these, like the Atlanta Braves who need to change their name. Mm-hmm. Like if you went to them and you were like, why don't you guys be the Blue Stockings? They'd, <laughs> they'd lose their minds. <laughs> Are you kidding like, me? If the name, me? the word stockings was in the team name, <laughs> they'd go nuts. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> they, their masculinity would just be stripped from them immediately. <laughs> but this Red Sox tryout thing turned out to just be a setup. It was a total fake out by the Red Sox to get this like powerful desegregation councilman off their backs. Damn. So even though the stands were limited to management, it was only the Red Sox management, you know, watching these tryouts, Jackie got pelted with racial slurs and epithets. They oh were screaming God. at him from the stands. 
which is like, again, you asked me to be here. You know right. what I mean? And now you're here just to, you just asked me to abuse me. So they're like, the desegregation council won't leave us alone. So yeah, sure. We'll have, we'll have a mixed racial tryout. Uh-huh. We'll get some, we'll get some black players on our team. We'll go try them out. But it, they were never intending on actually doing it. No. And maybe they were like, and if we scream at them a bunch of crazy shit, they'll play really badly. And, and we then, can say, oh, it's because they don't play yep, well. Yep. So, you know. Monsters. Unbelievable. So, of course, he leaves the field angry and humiliated. This is a theme, I'll say. It feels like he was often angry and humiliated by the way people would treat people in this country. Um, And the Red Sox would be the last major league team to integrate in 1959. So they were like the first to pretend to do it, but they were the last to actually do it. That's right. Boo, children. Yes. I feel like I'm going to have the boo, children sound effect. In this I think one it's a, lot. a good, yeah. I love the booing children because I feel like it's it adds a lot more judgment it's than coming true. from adults because children are innocent, right? Mm-hmm. So if children are booing you, you really did something wrong. Very true. And also because let's think about the world we're leaving for the children. Yes. Maybe it shouldn't be full of this nonsense. Right. So boo away, kids. Boo away, children. <laughs> boo for racism. Uh, you know, disappointed in Boston also. Right. Historically at this moment. Because Boston's Just, had some good moments. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Boston's had some bad moments. Very <laughs> But I will say, I thought a lot about Ellen William Craft doing this episode. Oh, yeah. You know, building That's this. our episode about the uh, the escaped slaves who were married and, and ran up north, escaped to Boston. Yep. And Boston had their backs yeah. so hard that it was like an amazing story about them running these these uh, slave catcher like dudes out of Boston and being like, you ain't taking anybody out of here. Yep. And it was like, yes, Boston's awesome. And then it was like, oh, not forever. <laughs> <laughs> there, there were times. Keep an eye on your city because how it's behaving now mm-hmm. may be the subject of a podcast in the next, uh, you know, 60 years or so. And we're, we're going to have some disparaging things to say <laughs> if you if you behave poorly. So, you know, keep your city in check. Yeah. <laughs> don't nothing, be racist. There's nothing bad to say about Atlanta. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't get us started. But fortunately, there were some people in Major League Baseball who were a bit more long headed than the Boston Red Sox. For example, Branch Rickey. The manager of the Brooklyn Dodgers. Oh, well, that sounds like uh, a story worth hearing. It is. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) So why don't you stick around uh, and we will be back with it right after this commercial break. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God. We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. And we're back. It's the bottom of the second. Uh, there's two men on base, two strikes, three balls. It's a full count. This could make it. Make it what? Is that good or bad? That's exciting. It's exciting. I mean, it's the bottom of the second, so it's not that exciting. There's a lot of game left, but but the next the next pitch could could really decide something. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I'm See? I'm, I'm with it. Baseball. That's that's the extent of my memory that's, of baseball right there. That was all of my terminology that I have for baseball. <laughs> you pulled it sense. all out right after the first commercial break. <laughs> Great. All right. So Branch Rickey, the manager of the Brooklyn Dodgers, had played professional football as well as major and minor league baseball. And then he became a baseball coach and eventually manager and ultimately executive. He had his own minor league farm club set up that helped him find, train, and then place promising young players into the major leagues. This is the pretty much the same system that they use in baseball today to find new players. And Branch Rickey set that all up. It seems like the guy did everything in baseball you could do. He was hired as the president and GM of the Dodgers in 1942, and he innovated a lot of things that we're very used to today, like a spring training program, or using batting cages and pitching machines and batting helmets, and the use of statistical analysis. I love the idea that somebody was like, Hey, I know we're throwing a bunch of balls really fast at your freaking head, but you don't need any anything there. I never thought <laughs> one just, day Branch Just Rick- a soft hat should do. <laughs> one day Branch Ricky was like, "Boy, that's the 19th player this season that we've lost to a ball to the head. Maybe we should do something about it." What about a hard hat or something? <laughs> By 1943, Ricky was already anticipating the integration of baseball. 
He saw that coming, so he started seeking and getting permission from the Dodgers board to start looking for the right man to break the color barrier. According to Ken Burns' baseball documentary, this is partly due to business sense and partly due to idealism. So back in the day when Branch Rickey was managing the Ohio Wesleyan University team, Charles Thomas, who is the only black player on the team, was barred from staying in the team hotel because of his race. And Charles was pissed. So was Branch. Sure. Branch found him a room for the night, but he never forgot the incident. He said later, I may not be able to do something about racism in every field, but I can sure do something about it in baseball. Nice. Great sentiment. Yeah. Look about you. Yeah. <laughs> you what know, can what you do can you in the do? world you're in? Yes. Yeah. Where you are with what you have. The business sense came in um, because Branch is no idiot. Right. <laughs> And he realized that the Negro Leagues had tons of huge stars that were pretty popular, actually. They were very good players. Yeah. And he's like, ding, 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 the first the first major league team to sign them will get the best players at the best prices. Mm. It's simple math, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get on this. Yeah. So in 1945, he formed the United States League, which is basically a cover to find and train black players. It's not clear if the United States League ever played a game or if they were just a ruse for integration. But it kind of looks like they just invented this whole league with a bunch of what would be black black only teams Uh that were totally fake. It was just for them as like a guise to find this right player. Wow. Uh, Which is amazing. Like what a weird conspiracy to be (laughs) like, shh. (laughs) So Branch held tryouts of black players for ostensibly for the Brooklyn Brown Dodgers that were going to be their own thing. Okay. And there were tons of talented players to choose from. In fact, Jackie was not the best that the Negro Leagues had to offer in terms of sheer talent. Mm. Um, There's a guy, Josh Gibson, who was probably better uh, overall, according to some. I mean, you know, this is coming from me, who knows nothing about baseball. (laughs) But I read some names I watched hundreds of hours of tapes. (laughs) Of Jackie Robinson. (laughs) And did not understand what I was looking at at all. (laughs) But the thing was, was Branch wasn't just looking for the best player. He was looking for the player who could handle it. Right. Uh, He knew that this guy would, first of all, he'd be the only black player on a white team. Right. He would be going up against the fans, the press, the managers, the players of the other team, the players of his own team, who would be against him, who would jeer him, provoke him try to fight with him, cause him violence, and that this person would have to still play damn good baseball. Right. And that is a hard order. Yeah. And you have to admit, that's a tall order. Yeah, because I can't play good baseball on a good day. I know, right? People are saying nothing but nice things, and I still (laughs) did the t-ball the wrong way. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. Uh, So Wendell Smith, who was a black sports writer, he was helping Branch Rickey scout the Negro Leagues uh, for the right candidate. Um, And he is the one who influenced Branch Rickey to select Jackie Robinson. Um, Apparently, he did not get enough credit for this. So I want to really highlight Wendell Smith. Good job, Wendell Smith. You saw something in Jackie, and that's why Branch's eyes fell on him. So Branch is like, great, let's talk to Jackie Robinson. And in a famous three-hour meeting on August 28th of 1945, Jackie sat down in Branch's office as Branch asked him over and over again, can you do it? 
he posed as all these different shitty white people. He was like, we're going to do some scene work here. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I'm going to give you a situation. You got you to gotta react, right? He said, uh, you know, I'm going to ask you, uh, what do you do if you're barred from a restaurant or a hotel? Or if someone screams racial slurs at you? You know, what if a sports writer writes deliberately biased article about you? And at one point, Jackie asked him, hey, are you looking for a ball player who's afraid to fight back? And Branch replied, I'm looking for a ball player who has enough guts not to fight back. You got to do this job with base hits and stolen bases and fielding ground balls, Jackie. Nothing else. And so he pretended to be another player who Jackie strikes out and he gets so mad that he punches Jackie in the face and Branch takes a swing at him in the office, gets his fist right up against Jackie's nose, almost hits him. And Jackie didn't even flinch. He says, Mr. Ricky, I got two cheeks. That it? <clears throat> Branch Ricky's like, so damn. Random. Yes. Also seems like just, I was like, I'm seeing Kevin Costner or something, like pacing around. <laughs> <laughs> Yelling. <laughs> this be a good, oh, this would be a good Ke- Kevin Klein role. <gasps> Kevin, Kevin Klein, Klein alert. <laughs> so Branch signed Jackie first to their international league farm club, the Montreal Royals. And for now... He had to keep it a secret. But by October, it was announced that he would join the Royals for the 1946 season. Rachel, by this time, had graduated with her nursing degree in 1945. She and Jackie got married in February 1946. And two weeks later, they left L.A. for Dayton, Florida for spring training with the Royals. There's a culture shock. Right. We're going from L.A. to the deep south. And immediately the white nonsense began. Mm. Uh, Their flight to Florida had a layover in New Orleans, and they were bumped from their flight. Then they got to Pensacola for their next flight. They were bumped again. So they had to take buses over 400 miles to get to Daytona Beach. And Rachel wrote in her book, um, Jackie Robinson, An Intimate Portrait, that Jackie was ordered to go to the back of the bus, which we all know by now. Jackie did not like being told that shit. Right. But he had made his pact with Branch Rickey not to fight. And so he quietly assented and it made Rachel cry. Yeah. Um, Because he is so proud and she knew what it cost him to have to swallow that and just say, okay, I'll go sit in the back. And things did not get any better. First off, the manager of the Royals asked Branch Rickey to place Jackie in any other affiliate than his own. He did not want to deal with Jackie. But Branch, of course, refused. He's like, sorry, I'm the boss. I know what I'm doing. So the manager is not into this noble experiment, as everyone was calling it at the time. Mm -hmm. Jackie, of course, couldn't stay at the same hotel as his white teammates. He had to be put up at a house with a black activist couple named Joe and Dufferin Harris. The Royals didn't have their own spring training facility, so they would just use local fields and stadiums. But guess what? (laughs) The local fields and stadiums wouldn't let Jackie play in them. Oh, my God. Uh, When the team played in Sanford, the police chief interrupted the third inning to threaten to arrest the Royals' manager unless he removed Jackie from the lineup. Are you kidding me? I mean, like, y'all got time is all I have to say for some silly shit. Right. In Jacksonville, the stadium was padlocked shut on game day by order of the city's Parks and Public Property Director. 
And in Deland, a game was postponed because the stadium lights weren't working. <laughs> Even though it was a daytime game and they didn't need the lights. Wow. They just were like, uh, yeah, the lights don't work. I don't know. Uh, the bathroom's all stopped up. Uh, Freddy's <laughs> coming over. He'll get to it. Oh, I, I pooped my pants <laughs> so we can't have a game today. <laughs> that sounds more accurate. Yeah. If they had just said that, I would have been like, well, at least they're being truthful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The, the, the fear these people are displaying of just like, I need to shut the whole game down so a black person doesn't come play. Like, unbelievable. Mm. Now, like we said, Jackie is the kind of guy who would quickly fight back against this kind of behavior. But, of course, he did make this pact with Branch Rickey not to lose his temper, whatever the provocation. And according to quite a few accounts, it was Rachel who made it possible for Jackie to maintain his cool in the face of all this discrimination. She also realized why she had been allowed to join Jackie at spring training. Usually wives weren't invited, but Jackie needed someone in his corner more than most players. She wrote, quote, From the moment we were bumped from the American Airlines flights, my role had begun to unfold. My most profound instinct as Jack's wife was to protect him. An impossible task. I could, however be a consistent presence to witness and validate the realities, love him without reservation, share his thoughts and miseries, discover with him the humor in the ridiculous behavior against us, and most of all, help maintain our fighting spirit. And this also takes me back to William and Ellen Craft mm -hmm. in that episode as, as they were escaping the South because uh, if you go back and listen to that episode, she disguised herself as a white man yeah. And and her husband was uh, was meant to be, you know, the, the servant she was bringing with her. Mm -hmm. Right. And the number the, the discrimination they saw while she's playing a white man against her husband. I mean, unbelievable and outrageous and oh. terrible and monstrous. But the amount of times they ended up, you know, laughing about it later mm -hmm. of how just ridiculous and absurd. Yeah. These people were. Which you would have to. I mean, you would I have to, so, I guess, yeah. because it, it would just be like just too despairing otherwise. Uh -huh. I also just for her saying to witness and validate the uh, realities yeah. is so such a powerful oh line because it's like clearly so hard. Of course, people want to dismiss when you say that was a racist thing you did. Uh -huh. That was a, that was because of racism. We got bumped from our flight. And of course, you might be telling somebody like Branch Ricky or, you know, somebody white and be like, no, don't jump to that conclusion. It could be yeah. anything. could be anything. And you're like, I can't help but jump to that conclusion because right. it's so often the right answer. Yep. And unless, until you stop giving me a reason to think that, I'm going to think it. Like, there's, uh, it's going to come up in my brain. <laughs> like, yeah. it's going to. Yeah, uh, sure. White people get bumped from their flights every once in a while, but twice in a row... Only when you hit the South? Only when I hit the South. Come on. It's very yeah, obvious what happened here. Come on. Yeah. It wasn't full. Don't tell me that shit. Right. But it's clear how important Rachel was for Jackie to maintain this pact with Branch Rickey because there actually was another black player with the Royals. His name was Johnny Wright. Hmm. He was a pitcher who had been signed in January. So he and he and Jackie were at spring training at the same time. Right. They were dealing with Daytona and Sanford and all the other horrible shit. Right. And he was another contender to break the major league's color line. But he was having a harder time with this constant racism and prejudice that was always happening around him. 
Jackie wrote in his memoirs that, quote, it affected his pitching that he had to keep his temper under control all the time. Mm-hmm. And Johnny was married, too, but they had two kids, so his wife had stayed home. So he, he's taken all this basically alone where oh, Jackie had Rachel to lean on and witness those realities and help him find that humor and all of that sort of invisible stuff that happens yeah. between two people right. at home that Johnny didn't have. Oh. And Johnny didn't make it to the major leagues, you know, and Jackie did. So I think, it's, you know, you just can't overstate what Rachel was doing. Exactly. So Ricky Branch lobbied officials about how the Royals were being treated. And finally, they let them play a damn game with Jackie playing in Daytona Beach on March 17th, 1946. And for his first few games, he didn't play remarkably well, probably about at like my level, you know, like since we got so much in common, like good, but not... (laughs) Not great, but... I think he played better than Eli. Hey. <laughs> Don't tell Eli I said this, but I think he what? played My better than Eli. What? My headphones just cut out for a second. <laughs> Couldn't hear what you said. So he's not playing that well in his first few games, but by April, they had shifted him to second base, and he was doing great. Uh, hello, I played second base, so I'm sorry. It's just... The more this story goes on, the more <laughs> I believe me and Jackie Robinson are... We've got a lot in common. What can I say? <laughs> he got named the league MVP at the end of the season. And in Montreal, the hometown fans loved Jackie. Rachel was surprised at how easy it was to find housing and the warm welcome that she got from her landlord and her neighbors. After the Royals won the Little World Series, Jackie was overrun with fans. Journalist Sam Malton famously noted, it was probably the only day in history that a black man ran from a white mob with love instead of lynching on its mind. Ouch. That is a potent statement. All of it was. The fact that she was surprised to find housing easily is like such an indict. Like that was like a knife in my heart. (laughs) She was like, wow, I actually got a house I asked for and had the money to pay (laughs) for it. Like that's insane. Yeah. On biography.com, they describe Dodgers executive Buzzy Bavasi. Buzzy Bavasi. I have to say some of the stories I included just because the names are so good. Baseball names are so good. (laughs) Branch Ricky is a great name. Oh, yeah. Buzzy Bavasi. I mean, come on. That's a great name. (laughs) Anyway, Buzzy is watching a Royals game to kind of like check up on Jackie's progress, see how everything's going. And, quote, taking note of the magnetic Rachel, he reported to Branch Ricky, if Jackie was smart enough to pick her as his wife, he's the guy you want. Wow. And Branch agreed. So in 1947, the Dodgers called Jackie up. It was time for the major leagues. And the season would start in only six days. Ooh. Fast training montage. <laughs> I know, right? I kind of wonder if they left it for the last minute just so he wouldn't have to deal with like uh, yeah, a bunch of nonsense. That makes sense. Like they were like, that's just like right up to the end. And then we'll tell him, hey, it's you. Six days. Get up here. We're just going to shock and awe. Shock yeah. and awe. <laughs> Rachel had their first kid, Jackie Jr., by this time, and the whole family relocated to Bedsty. At first, the team was not cool with Jackie being there. Some of them signed a petition to force him out, and some said they would sit out games rather than play with Jackie. But these jerks were silenced when the manager, Leo DeRoche, told the whole team, Hey! <laughs> This is a this is a direct quote. I don't care if the guy is yellow or black or if he's got stripes like a fucking zebra. I'm the manager of this team and I says he plays. <laughs> What's more, 
I say he can make us all rich. And if any of you cannot use the money, I will see to it that you are all traded. <laughs> That's a pretty great quote. I mean, I think it's sad that he had to be like, also, y'all will make money. Like, <laughs> Let me play on your greed. But it is. But, but hey, whatever works. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like, how how much does your racist bullshit mean to you? Mm-hmm. Does it mean more than like you're living? Right. That's I didn't think true. so. Mm-hmm. It's just some stupid thing you've got stuck in your head. Get it out. Mm-hmm. Quit it. Yeah. We're playing a game, guys. Yeah. So Jackie made his Major League's debut on April 15th, 1947, in a game against the Boston Braves. Eddie Stanky. Great name. <laughs> and up next is Eddie Stanky. <laughs> Eddie Stanky was their second baseman, so Jackie started his career as a first baseman. Rachel was there, of course, and she wrote in her book, As Jack took his place in the batter's box at Ebbets Field, the meaning of the moment for me seemed to transcend the winning of a ball game. The possibility of social change seemed more concrete, and the meaning of it more imperative. And she was right. Historians do link a lot of America's social progress at that time to the integration of baseball. Yeah. Uh, it fueled a lot of change and, and a lot of integration in education, a right. lot of integration in hospitality, yeah. everything, you know, because yeah. it's America's pastime. Well, and I think it's very similar to like seeing the importance of diversifying a lot of media today, you know, yes, uh, totally. uh, TV and movies and stuff, not, not just actors, but, you know, writers, especially now that we're, producers. I think with social media, we know the writers and directors and producers more than we mm-hmm. used to. And obviously video content is like untouchably huge now. Right. So that's, it's, I, I, I see a similar thing there of like, you know, if you're diversifying that, then you're changing people's, you know, whole attitudes. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what's funny is that culture is one of those things that when it, you're in the middle of it, it doesn't seem very important. You're kind of rolling your eyes at it and right. you're like, everything's the same. But it's one of those things in history and context that you look back and go, the culture changed everything. Yeah. Branch Rickey's biographer, Lee Lowenstein, says that Martin Luther King Jr. gave Branch a book with an inscription inside that read, To Branch, who made my work that much easier. And Rachel summed it up nicely. She said, I believe the single most important impact of Jack's presence was that it enabled white baseball fans to root for a black man, thus encouraging more whites to realize that all of our destinies were inextricably linked. And I think that's a really good point. God, she's brilliant. Yeah, right? Because she's like, if you want him to play badly, then you want your team to lose. Right. Because that's the deal. Right. So his success is all wrapped up in your own success and that's what made it really shift for people in their brain yeah and that's such a really powerful like observation and a lot of people had predicted that if they tried to integrate baseball it would cause riots in the streets and in the stands and amongst the teams which is why branch ricky had been so insistent about jackie not losing his temper against all the racists that he was going to be up against that they couldn't prove the racists right because it might halt the conversation for integration, not only of baseball, but of everything. Yeah. I think that's why he was so insistent that Jackie, like, stay on his best behavior. You know, if you give in to their taunts and we start fights, then they start saying, oh, see, he's he's causing shit. Mm-hmm. We can't do this. This was a bad idea. Yeah. And, and it's so annoying because it ends up, tone policing and mm-hmm. forcing people to behave in a way that they don't want to and 
forces people to just live with discrimination Mm -hmm. and just deal with it when they shouldn't fucking have to. Yes, exactly. And he had to swallow so much of his own personality and his own instincts about this exact thing Mm -hmm. like he was like clearly grew up being like i will never take that lying down right i will always let people know how i feel about that inequality and now the only way to help integration and civil rights is to not do that and it must have been just incredibly hard i the times that i've had to keep my temper and have not been able to (laughs) It, I, like, I can't even imagine. Yeah. I can't even imagine yeah. the strength it must take <laughs> to just swallow so much. And I, and I think that, you know, clearly it, the way they did it worked. Mm-hmm. And not to give too much credit to Branch, I think that it was, you know, we say it was Branch's pact that he had with Jackie. It was Jackie's decision to go with it. Absolutely. To say, yes, I think that is what I'll do. Mm-hmm. You know, and his behavior that made the change. So I, I, I'm amazed by how he played it yes again you just can't overstate how strong he was like morally and personality you know what i mean not Mm -hmm. just in body but like in character yeah because jackie you know his own team barely wanted him there so of course the other teams were even worse and more blatant about it right there was a rumor that the St. Louis Cardinals were going to plan. They were planning to walk out of their first game against the Dodgers because they were going to be like, we won't play against like a strike. Jackie. Yeah, they were going to yeah. do a strike and do a walkout. But it's kind of a convoluted story. It was sort of like, oh, this reporter said that somebody's someone in the Major League Baseball told him about the strike. So he wrote the report. And then the president of baseball was like, had this noble speech about how any citizen of America should be able to play baseball. But then it came out later that the president of baseball was the original source for the strike story and that maybe his speech never happened. So it might have just been a totally fabricated thing to make. The Dodgers and Jackie look really great, and to make the St. Louis Cardinals look like assholes, like that might have been the might have been all made up, <laughs> completely made up. But anyway, whether or not the Cardinals were really trying to strike, they were still particularly mean to Jackie. They mm. played really, really rough. They were one of several teams that liked to play real, real rough with Jackie. They would throw pitches at his head, you know, trying to hit him. Good thing they invented that helmet. I know, right? He actually got a seven-inch gash in his leg from Eno Slaughter, the Cardinals' right fielder. Well, there's your problem. (laughs) The guy's name is Eno Slaughter. (laughs) Of course he's putting gashes in people's legs. Do you think people have these names and they go, I mean, what else can I do but play baseball? (laughs) My name is Eno Slaughter. What am I going to (laughs) do? Be a lawyer? Come on down to Stanky Slaughter and Bavazi Law Firm. (laughs) Have you been gashed in the leg? (laughs) Well, it was probably us. (laughs) (laughs) On April 22nd, the Philadelphia Phillies were playing the Dodgers. Their manager, Ben Chapman, was in the stands and he screamed at Jackie, called him the N-word. He told him to go back to the cotton fields. A lot of other unimaginative, horrible shit like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But Branch Rickey said later that Chapman, quote, did more than anybody to unite the Dodgers. When he poured out that string of unconscionable abuse, he solidified and united 30 men. Huh, nice. Which I love because it's, you know, it's like they say, you make your own enemies. Yeah. You create what you fear. Yep. And he clearly feared a united Dodgers team with a strong black player on it. And sorry, Ben, but that's what you get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
And in true Jackie Robinson fashion, he won them all over. The Dodgers advanced to the World Series that year, and Jackie was named Rookie of the Year. And in a radio poll, he came in second to Bing Crosby as the most popular person in America. Oh, wow. I mean, you lose to Bing Crosby. That's not bad. I mean, that's oh, Bing Crosby. Yeah. The I'd be voice okay of coming Christmas. second to Bing Crosby. <laughs> <laughs> voice of Christmas. <laughs> the next year, Eddie Stanky was traded to the Boston Braves, and Jackie moved into second base, and he played even better. But the goal hadn't quite been met yet. As Rachel says in her Scholastic interview, Jack always said that being the first to break the color barrier was important, but it didn't prove anything in the long run if there was not a second. In other words, he wanted to see the door opened for minorities. So when Larry Dobby and Roy Campanella and Satchel Paige and several other black players got signed to the major leagues, that was the real triumph. Rachel says it meant to us that real social change was occurring in that system. Nice. Uh, amazing. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, that, that really says it all, too, because one person doing something is amazing, but. Two is a copycat. Three is a trend. Isn't that what they say? <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. So I think that's true. And, and it kind of shows you about the the fighting, too, because I, I bet it was more like, Jackie, once you're in, you're probably in. It's not like if they get mad, if we're fighting, yeah. you'll get kicked out or fired necessarily. But there might not be another one. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. There might not ever be another black player. Right, right. Um, if, if we can't get you in. As seamlessly as possible, Ugh. we can't get anyone in. God, it's so much weight to put on a person. I know. And he and carried it. I mean, seriously. That's, that's amazing. Well, it's the bottom of the sixth. The score is Jackie Robinson, a billion. <laughs> Racists, zero. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be coming into the seventh inning stretch. Get your peanuts, popcorn, uh, hot dogs, and your $18 two-ounce beers. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be right back. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. 
I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Hey, bada 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 bada, swing bada. We're back with the show. Uh, we got uh, bases loaded. There's a thousand strikes. Wow! Holy shit! Four hundred balls. Uh, the score is Jackie Robinson infinity. <laughs> wow. Racists negative infinity. <laughs> wow, a lot changed in the commercial break. Yeah, you missed a big inning. <laughs> but we're at, the, we're at the top of the ninth. And uh, we're heading into the the final chapter of the game. It's chapters, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Jackie and Rachel had two more kids, Sharon and David. Jackie played himself in a film biography about his life with Ruby D playing Rachel. Oh, to good reviews. They said he he did a good job playing himself. So. All right, good job, Jackie. You played yourself. <laughs> um, <laughs> Rachel was like, I will not be playing myself. I know. I will <laughs> Thank not you very much. I got three kids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Thank you so much. But Ruby D, oh, yeah, she can play me. That's, uh, that's yes, great. Yes, absolutely. Uh, he was named MVP, and he got a lot more outspoken about racism in baseball because his pact with Branch Rickey was just for two years. <laughs> he said, I'll give you two years. I'll swallow my tongue. He was counting the days. Woo! Ra- Rachel said she's like, the only reason he was able to hang on is because he had that light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> like, and then I'm going to start taking swings. Ooh. So, yeah, he that two-year period was over. There was many more players, black players in the league, and he was able to kind of let that leash off a little bit. Yeah. So on TV, he challenged the Yankees manager about not having any black players. Nice. And he was like, what you going to do about it? Uh-huh. Um, he was also openly critical of the segregated hotels and restaurants that served the Dodgers organization. Tell him about it. Which made a bunch of them integrate in a big hurry. Oh, really? Which, there you go, kind of says something about when they were like, listen, if we integrate baseball, we integrate a lot of things. Exactly. Because a lot of things are around, their their whole industry is around this oh, game. Yeah. yeah. So if you integrate this, you have to integrate that, you have to integrate that. The next thing you know, it's like a ripple effect kind of thing. Amazing. Um, and that seems to kind of happen, especially, again, once he was like, I'm a big celebrity, I'm a baseball hero, yep. and I'm calling you out. Yep. And they were like, the, I think the Chase Hotel in New York was one that was like, like the next week they were like, oh, hey, we're good. Like, <laughs> just kidding about we all that history. We were just about to do that, actually. <laughs> it's so funny you mentioned oh, it, Jackie Robinson. We just took down our signs about the different bathrooms. <laughs> so funny you called us out on national television. We were just about to change all that. Unrelated. <laughs> but, of course, his success and his outspokenness resulted in a lot of death threats, a lot of mm. hate mail. Um, when they moved to their house in Stamford, Connecticut in 1955, a bunch of their neighbors put their houses up for sale. Oh, my God. Again, the fear. The fear. The disgusting fear of, like, I need to sell my whole damn house because 
one of the richest and most famous people in the country just moved in next exactly. to me. Exactly. Yeah, that's the other thing is that Jackie's making really good money at this point. So yeah. it's like, what? Do you, what? What? It's just the skin color. You're uh-huh. insane. Uh, is, uh-oh, honey. The second most popular person in America just moved in next door. We better get the hell out of this neighborhood. The neighborhood's going straight to hell. Are you a complete idiot? <laughs> yes. When a white friend tried to sponsor Jackie to the country club, they rejected him by a majority vote. Because, as you say, even though he's a national baseball hero and one of the most popular people in the country, he's not good enough to play golf with a bunch of retirees, I guess, or whatever. Jeez. Fortunately, though, he still had Rachel by his side. They were able to to stand it together and uh, get through this period where he was 10 years with the Dodgers. And by 1957, Jackie's abilities were diminishing a bit. He was suffering from diabetes. He didn't know he had. I think he yeah, went undiagnosed diagnosed for a while. Yet, yeah. um, and that was kind of affecting his game. The Dodgers had a plan to trade him to the New York Giants, but unbeknownst to them... Jackie had already made a deal to retire from baseball and become the vice president and director of personnel for the Chock Full of Nuts Coffee Company. (laughs) Which is like, what a shift. But I love it. And that made him the first black person to be a vice president of a major American corporation. Another first for Jackie Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, I already dominated every sport there is. Now I'm going into the private sector, the corporate world. Right. And I'm going to take that on, too. I found it funny because I, I was like, why is it called Chock Full of Nuts Coffee Company? Because there's no nuts involved. I always thought it was just a bunch of kooky guys that ran it. <laughs> oh, what, uh, Chock Full of Nuts it, over here. It was their improv group and yeah. then turned it into a coffee company. <laughs> Come see Chock Full of Nuts tonight <laughs> at 7. Well, it turns out that actually they were a nut shop. Okay. And then in the Great Depression, he tra- changed the business to be like a lunch counter with a really cheap cup of coffee and a sandwich. Oh, It was okay. like a five cent sandwich or mm-hmm. something like that. And um, the sandwich was called a nutted cheese sandwich. Ooh, <laughs> tasty. <laughs> Which is like some nuts on like a cream cheese. Um, but nutted cheese is like the yes. m- least appetizing thing I've ever heard in my life. I've been fired <laughs> for making a nutted cheese sandwich. <laughs> That's what you do on your last day at your <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> You're fired. And okay. Uh, just another note about Chock Full of Nuts. Um, apparently, <laughs> sure. they, they, he actually was one of the first companies to desegregate his lunch counters. Oh, nice. Too. Okay. So it was right along the, the business values uh, and ethos was right alongside Jackie's yeah. ethos. So he was, awesome. he was like, yes, Chock Full of Nuts. Well, Jackie also got more involved in the civil rights movement in the late 50s and early 60s here. He was served on the board of the NAACP and led civil disobedience protests that led to the desegregation of the Greenville, South Carolina airport. Nice. Just desegregating the shit out of everything. Yeah, left and right. Jackie Robinson's just shutting it down, kicking down doors, shutting people up. Yep. Making things happen. It's like, if black people aren't allowed in a place, I'm going to go tell you why they should be. Yeah. And at this point, Rachel is looking around like, "Mm, okay, I got a whole nursing degree here, and I'm just hanging out collecting dust, so... She told Jackie she wanted to go back to school for a graduate degree and go back to work. And he wasn't that into it, right? But she says, fortunately, we struggled with this issue. (laughs) I love that. Fortunately, we struggled with this issue. Because, like, it says so much. Uh If I can just go on a tangent. Please do. I was just like, first of all, 
it says so much that she's like, oh, we struggle with the issue. Like, he wasn't about to tell me one thing. <laughs> I knew what was going to happen. But also, it kind of says, fortunately, he's willing to fight with me about these things. He wasn't very authoritarian. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's yeah. very. He was the kind of guy that knew she had so much to offer that he's like, all right, even though I prefer you to be at home with the kids and, like, be in my backbone and my strength, it's true that I don't need you as much as I did, and you should go off and do your own thing. So yeah. that's how I see it. Oh, well, and here's a guy who, uh, speculation station a little bit mm-hmm. about about how this conversation went, but here's a guy who is very combative and mm-hmm. stands up strongly and proudly for what he believes in, but also is likely very aware that you need to change your position sometimes. Very true. Like you're not always right. Mm-hmm. And so if she came to him and was like, I want to go back to school and you're keeping me from doing that if you're you're trying to say that I shouldn't do what I want to do yeah. you know can you think about that for a second mm-hmm. and he again Did. speculating was like yeah I guess I should think about that for a second and mm-hmm. you know what that's up to you yeah you should do your thing yeah so he did relent, and in 1959, she enrolled in NYU's psychiatric nursing program and earned her master's degree. She worked as a nurse therapist and researcher at the Albert Einstein School of Medicine after that, which I don't know anything about schools of medicine, but that sounds like a good one to me. <laughs> if someone was like, well, you're really sick, we're going to take you to the Albert Einstein School of Medicine, I'd be like, I'm in good hands. <laughs> if someone was like, uh, oh, you're really sick, the Albert Einstein garbage company is here to help you i'd be like great these guys can do anything they want in 1962 which was the very first year that jackie was eligible for the baseball hall of fame he was inducted awesome. it was just the, they took the very first opportunity to induct him into the baseball hall of fame yeah and rachel says he was not expecting it because he was so often antagonizing sports writers about mm. racism in baseball right and the sports writers were the ones who had to vote for him to get the honor. Oh. And he, he got he got a lot. I think it was like 77.7% of the vote or something, like a pretty big majority. I mean, he was so, he was such a force. You could not deny yeah. that he deserved to be there. Exactly. That he changed the whole game. Display. If I hated you as a person, I cannot, you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. You're freaking Jackie Robinson. Yeah. Um, so Rachel says this was a real high point for Jackie. He was yeah. very honored by that and just just stoked that they just took the first opportunity, <laughs> you know, to do that. That's pretty cool. Right. In 1963, he went to march with Martin Luther King Jr. Awesome. And they started holding these famous jazz concerts in their backyard to raise money for bail funds for activists who had been jailed. Oh, bail them out. Man, I want to go. Hello. I want to go to a jazz concert in Rachel and Jackie Robinson's backyard. Please. I'll give I'll give some money to the cause. Oh, man. I'm sure we couldn't afford awesome. <laughs> the ticket. But. And Rachel said, that was my particular involvement. So she clearly, like, you know, she was like, maybe I can't travel. You know, she's working... Real hard at her job. Yeah. She maybe can't travel to uh, march on Washington. Right. But she's like, you know what I can do is raise money. I yeah. know y'all need money. Right. I can do the shit out of that. Hell and yeah. that is exactly what she did. Jackie started a black-owned bank in Harlem in 1964. In 1965, Rachel became a professor at Yale's School of Nursing and the director of nursing at the Connecticut Mental Health Center. She's got jobs on jobs. Right. I was like, that sounds like too many jobs. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, Huffington Post says that Yale asked her to join the board of trustees, and she told them, no, not unless you put another black or another woman on the board. You won't get a twofer from me. Amazing. Awesome. <laughs> She's like, mm-hmm. like uh-uh, I'm not checking all your boxes. That's I'm not right. going to be the one person. Mm-mm. But they still had some struggles. In 1965, their son Jackie Jr. was wounded in the Vietnam War and he was discharged from the army. He'd had emotional trouble since childhood. In her scholastic interview, Rachel says that Jackie Jr. had been compared to his, you know, great godlike father since he was just two years old Mm -hmm. and that it hurt him to live in his shadow. Yeah, she said people were basically telling him there was no way he could ever live up to his dad. Oh, my God. And it's like, that's an insane thing to hear your whole life, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And he joined the army pretty much just looking for discipline. And while he was in Vietnam, like so many other soldiers did, he got involved with drugs. And so he struggled with addiction until he entered a treatment facility in 1968. And then he became the assistant regional director of that facility, and he spoke to groups of kids about addiction. And Jackie became a big anti-drug crusader because of his son's experience. Tragically, though, Jackie Jr. died in a car accident in 1971 when he was only 24 years old. It's sad because his his favorite brother had died, you know, when he was younger. Right. And that motorcycle accident, so just sad to me. He had, like, these two really important members of his family, perished from vehicles. Right. In October 1972, Jackie threw out the ceremonial first pitch at Game 2 of the World Series and gratefully accepted a plaque honoring the 25th anniversary of his debut in Major League Baseball. But he also said, I'm going to be tremendously more pleased and more proud when I look at that third base coaching line one day and see a black face managing in baseball. Right. Right. So right up to the end of his life, he was calling it out. Yeah. He was like, yeah, not- we've made some strides, but... It- Please don't think it's enough. Exactly. Yeah. We're not there yet. Yeah. And that would turn out to be Jackie's last public appearance. On October 24th, 1972, Jackie died of a heart attack in his home in Stamford. He was 53 years old. <sighs> yeah, not very old. No, no, far too young. Very, very much. I think because he had... It was from a heart attack, but it was because of complications from his diabetes and his sure, heart disease. Sure. And I think those both went undiagnosed for a number of years. Right. So he just was like, but that's very sad. Yeah. Um, of course, his funeral is a huge deal because he's Jackie Robinson. Right. Um, 2,500 mourners came to his funeral. Multiple Hall of Famers acted as his pallbearers. And the Reverend Jesse Jackson gave his eulogy. And tens of thousands of people lined the streets to watch the procession to the gravesite, where Jackie is buried next to his son, Jackie Jr. And Jackie might be gone, but Rachel would not let him be forgotten. She took over at the construction company that he'd started in 1970, specializing in low to moderate income housing. And under her 10 years of leadership, they built more than 1,300 affordable housing units. She also started the Jackie Robinson Foundation in 1973, which has provided scholarships to 1,400 college students with a remarkable 97% graduation rate. Yeah, that's really cool. In 1996, she co-authored Jackie Robinson, An Intimate Portrait with Lee Daniels. 
1997, she and her family climbed 10,000 feet of Mount Kilimanjaro to celebrate Rachel's 75th birthday. I'll just, I'm going to just say to you right now that on my 75th birthday, it's incredibly doubtful that I'm going to want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. On your 75th birthday, it's incredibly doubtful that you're going to want to climb the stairs. <laughs> I mean, I hope I do. I would like to stay active enough, yeah. but I don't want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro now, so I don't know why I want to climb it when I'm 75. Oh, man, I kind of do. So, But I think that's cool, though. She was like, let me find, you know, some yeah. crazy goal to meet. At 75, why not? Yeah, she's done so much. Exactly. Find me a challenge. Yeah, Mm -hmm. amazing. She's gotten tons of awards for her activism. She's also been recognized for her role in sports history. In 2014, she was inducted into the Baseball Reliquaries Shrine of the Eternals. Wait a minute. You're telling me that Rachel Robinson is an eternal? (laughs) That'd be so fun if in the movie, like, there's just, (laughs) like, she just pops by, like a Stanley cameo. Angelina Jolie. She's like an eternal. (laughs) Kamel Nanjiani. And then there's Rachel Robinson. Pops there's a up. cut scene at the end of the movie where she pops in and she's like, am I late? <laughs> and they're like, yes, you're fucking late. Yeah. And she's like, oh, sorry, I was busy being Rachel Robinson. Right. <laughs> and they were like, all right, fine. Hang on. I'm going to call Kevin Feige. Uh, no, it was the Baseball Reliquaries Shrine of the Eternals that she was inducted into. Huffington Post says uh, that was a way for the baseball world to acknowledge that although she didn't own a team, or cover the game as a reporter, or play the game herself, she was one of the most important women in baseball history. Mm-hmm. And in 2017, she received the Buck O'Neill Lifetime Achievement Award from the Baseball Hall of Fame, making her and Jackie the first married couple to reside together in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And Buck O'Neill, by the way, had also been a player in the Negro Leagues with the Kansas City Monarchs and was a teammate of Jackie's. And he went on to become the first black coach in the major leagues. So Rachel considered that a very high honor to be associated with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's exactly what Jackie was saying. Exactly. I need coaches. I need managers. I need executives. Like Incredible. To your point about film it's not just about on screen who's behind the screen who chose the story who gave the green light all of that matters sharon their daughter works with rachel in the foundation but she also works as a midwife and educator she's the director of education programming with major league baseball and she wrote two books about her father awesome and david the youngest established a rural development program in tanzania he became a coffee grower there oh yeah um, so I wonder if he still works with Chockful of Nuts right. in some capacity. Right. Um, he also has 10 kids. Oh, my God. <laughs> so he's busy anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, of course, Jackie has been honored in a million ways since his death. Right. Um, they've retired his number, 42, from baseball, I think even on a college level. Like, they were just like, nobody's 42 except for Jackie Robinson. My number was 22 when I played, so that's pretty close. It's got a A number in common. Yeah. (laughs) They're both even numbers. (laughs) I'm here to help. Uh, (laughs) He's got streets named for him, schools named for him, awards named for him. He was named one of the most influential Americans ever. He's been portrayed by many, many actors in numerous movies and TV shows and plays. Um, But we might think of a very different type of person when we think of Jackie Robinson than who Rachel remembers. He was a fiery baseball player, as Leo DeRocher, the Dodgers manager, said, You want a guy to come to play? This guy didn't just come to play. He come to beat you. He come to stuff the goddamn bat right up your ass. (laughs) 
<laughs> was that what he was doing? <laughs> it's a very different like, game from when I play I baseball. Well, I thought he wasn't supposed to fight. <laughs> right. Um, so people saw this tough guy. You know, he's, he had this public persona of being this very tough guy. He's kind of battling the world. He was consumed with this struggle for justice. But Rachel says the family knew a different person. We knew a man very capable of great love and commitment. I always felt especially fortunate to be loved by him and to experience his great tenderness. She said he loved getting the family together for dinner, and he never drank or smoked, and he never used bad language at home. Quote, though I understand from his teammates that he could manage the language very well in the locker room. (laughs) And she recognized his sense of responsibility to lift up others. She said he had an interesting statement to make about what life meant to him, which the Jackie Robinson Foundation now uses. It was that a life is not important except in its impact on the lives of others. By his own metric, Jackie and Rachel have lived some incredibly important lives. Together, they quite literally changed the nation. And it's entirely possible that without Rachel, we would not have Jackie Robinson. Mm -mm. I think it's clear, at least from this story, that he wouldn't have made it through the way that he did. He might not even have been selected in the first place. That's possible. That was part of their selection process. They said right there, hey, if he picked her as his wife... That's that's, that's your guy. Mm-hmm. And he asked him, do you have a woman? Because yep. you're going to need her. Yep. So. Pulitzer winning journalist Roger Wilkins said she was not simply the dutiful wife. She had to live through the death threats, endure the vile screams of the fans and watch her husband get knocked down by pitch after pitch. She was beautiful and wise and replenished his strength and courage. And that's a that's a, an important note, too, is that he promised not to fight. Right. But he also promised that she wouldn't fight. Right. I mean, by, you know, kind of by proxy. Yeah. So she's sitting in the stands probably hearing the abuse even better than he can because right. she's closer. Yeah. And having to just sit there. I mean, that would be also the character that it would take to withhold Everything you probably want to say. I mean, I imagine there was several times she's like, I'm taking my earrings off. I'm turning around. <laughs> I'm about to slap the shit out of this person. Right. But she didn't because she knew the overall goal was more important. Yeah. And she was like, I'm I'm she talked about I sat straight up when I was at games thinking like my back would somehow protect him from all oh, this vitriol behind God. me. And I think that says a lot about yeah. how she felt in the stands and and clearly it did do some absorption. Right. Clearly it did. She took in a lot so that more could bounce off of him and he could do what he needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad that he also gave her her due. Like he was like, you've, right. you've been holding it down for me for long enough. It's time for you to go, you know, yeah. shine of your own yeah. accord. And she's still alive. She just turned 99 years old. That's right. Still kicking. She's still trustee of the Jackie Robinson Foundation. Uh-huh. She is still raising money. She's still handling it. What an incredible couple of people. Seriously. I love this story. Yeah. They're uh, amazing. I mean, so inspiring. Yeah. Like, I'm, I know there's many movies about Jackie Robinson, but mm-hmm. just even just reading the story, you can feel the beats of a sports movie. Like, right, you don't right. even have to <laughs> fake it. Like, just like the famous three-hour meeting. One. Yeah. Yeah, but like... 
stand him going out in the stands and people screaming horrible shit and the team being like, well, now I'm on your side. Like, yeah. we're going to get this together. Like, you can just see so many wonderful, right? like, really tear-jerky kind of remember the Titans moments, you know <laughs> what I mean, that are just... Just incredible. And that's that's uh, that's three outs for racists, <laughs> and they leave the field in shame with a final score of Jackie Robinson has a number that's immeasurable, uh, beyond infinity. Mm-hmm. Mathematicians haven't discovered it yet, and racists have uh, the opposite of that. <laughs> get the hell off the field. Get out of my stadium. That's right. There's no place for racism in baseball. Or anywhere. Or anywhere. Get it the hell out. Crush it. Stomp it. Yes. What a fantastic time. Thank you uh, for listening. Yes. So glad to have brought this story to you. It's really beautiful. And, and, and the romance that carried it through, you know, is really spectacular. And it's nice to get yeah. a story like this mm-hmm. um, where it's two people genuinely caring about each other, you know, the entire time. And they had different opinions about things but they worked it out and they just had each other's backs yeah their whole lives it was them against the world and you know what the world lost yeah (laughs) so that tells you how strong the two of them were right (laughs) oh man well please let us know what you thought yeah, send us your letter jackets. <laughs> send us your letter jackets. Apparently. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uh, you don't have to correct us too much on the baseball stuff. We we know that it was wrong. <laughs> I did my best. I got to the stats and I was like slogging through it. And I was like, just cut them all out. Yeah. There's too many numbers. The, the numbers. I don't know what it means. The numbers aren't important. He was a great baseball player. That's all you need to know. Better than Eli. A little bit. But we have so much in common. I recognize that Jackie Robinson and I are not the same person. Good. That's good. Um, <laughs> He's also dead, so <laughs> that would be very weird. Well, obviously not the same person, but <laughs> identical people. Not quite. We've not had different quite. struggles in our lives. Very true. Who's to say? I'm to say. Everyone. <laughs> everyone is, I am also to say that they were not even remotely comparable struggles. Not at all. And we were not remotely comparable baseball players, but I mean, the similarities, we both played second base. Mm-hmm. His number was 42. Mine was 22. He he left college. I left college. You both lived in the state of New York. We both did live in the state of, of New York for a period of time. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, and Georgia. And Georgia. That's so true. Wow. This is getting creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell us your thoughts about the show. Yeah, uh, we love hearing from you guys always. It's super fun to get to know you a little bit. Yeah, I know. Um, I feel like we've got... I mean, I love compliments. I love hearing suggestions, but it's really cool just to kind of know who's listening. Check in. I feel like we're getting to yeah. know some of y'all, too. Yeah. You know, we got, we got some uh, some relationships building. Yeah. And uh, don't hesitate to reach out. Of course, you can always reach us at romance at iheartmedia.com. Yep, or on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Diana Mike Boom. And I'm at, oh great, it's Eli. And the show is at Ridic Romance. So follow along, say hey, and we cannot wait to catch you on the next episode. Love you all. So long, friends, it's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought 
in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.